0: the paul leslie hour helping people tell their stories and now your host paul leslie hey it's me ladies and gentlemen welcome to the paul leslie hour just remember that the show is made possible through listeners and viewers like you just go to the and click on support the show thank you to all of you who have contributed now let's get into the interview Hello. Hello. This is Paul Leslie. I'm trying to reach Mr. Tony Hatch.
1: Yeah. Well, you've you've done very well so far because you've reached him first first go.
0: Oh, wonderful!
1: I gave you a, a direct line. Yes. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? It's very very unusually hot here in London, right today. We um, but I know it's hot where you are anyway.
0: Yes, it is hot here in the southeast. But
1: that's <laughs> but there you're used to that. That's what you expect, isn't it?
0: Indeed, indeed.
1: So you're in London right now? I'm in London right now in my office. I have an office in, in London, and that's very useful, very handy. We keep all our paperwork here, all our files. A lot of music is kept here, original. I mean, obviously, obviously, one doesn't keep tape so much now. We've transferred most of those over to digital, and... Um, we're quite uh, we're quite efficient at um, at um, archiving, archiving, and um, making sure all the files are are kept up to date.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that voice you're hearing, we are joined by one of the greatest composers of our time, Mr. Tony Hatch. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with us. Thank
1: you, and that is Paul, isn't it? Paul, I'm, I'm actually speaking to the Paul that I've had some email communication with already.
0: (laughs) It's great to have you here. You've written some of the most successful songs of our time. What attitude or mindset do you credit with allowing these creations to be made?
1: Um, I think always to enjoy myself. I've um, usually loved every song that I've written. I've never hated it. I recognize why it never grew you know some some of the songs we write just don't grow up to be um successful children while whilst others grow very strong and they mature uh, so a, a song such as downtown or call me um are the kind of songs that um become embedded in the culture of uh, of many countries of the world and especially I'm I'm so lucky that america has um, has warmed to my songs and uh, as you know they're Quite a few there, especially written for Petula Clark. But some earlier ones, I'm very proud of the of the, of the one song that I wrote for uh, Bobby Rydell. He arrived in London and uh, they said, uh, would you write a song for him and record it and produce the session? And he was a charming young man. And I was a charming young man as well, of course. And we got got on great together and we recorded Forget Him. And um, it was a huge hit for him. And I'm very proud of those those moments when I, I captured the uh, imagination of uh, the great American public.
0: If one wants to be a songwriter, or anyone in the music business, does it require a positive attitude?
1: It requires a very positive attitude. It also requires, it's, it's very much like any art form. You study what everybody else is doing, and you learn uh, your trade from... Um, working out how somebody has achieved uh, the, uh, an almost perfect song. And then you go off and you you must do your own thing. Because I always remember that I was strongly influenced for a long time by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. But every time I wrote a song uh, that was very similar to their construction, their structure, it never worked. And the one thing I remember about Downtown, from the, the moment that we first ran it through in the studio with the, with the orchestra was how different it was to anything else that was happening. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's against you because you're not going with the trend and um, you're not following the format that's successful. But for us, that was the, the right thing to do, as was proved. I didn't know it at the time, but it, it proved to be uh, the case much later that uh, it was the originality of this song and the whole idea behind it, that was um that um, enchanted everybody
0: do you think originality is very important
1: totally important i don't think there's ever been a a really big hit that anybody could say well it's identical to uh, to another song because you uh, you would always have that uh, original song in your mind and there's absolutely no point in making a blatant copy of it
0: and you get sued anyway <laughs> Which, which has been happening a lot lately, here in the yes. States at least. Your mother was a pianist. What would you say is the greatest thing you learned from her?
1: The greatest thing I learned from her was to love music, because I have to tell you that I was born 1939. Now that was the year that war was declared, um, and the Second World War started, and nothing much happened for for 18 months. But I was a very small boy, and like many homes at that time uh, my father was um, off uh, he was he went into the navy and so we hardly saw him and my mother was left to bring up uh, the little boy and she had a piano because so many homes did have a piano at that time so she played the piano and she had a little record collection mainly classical music but the you know she was always listening to the radio Playing the piano, and often she even took me to the theater. And I would, I can remember being four or five years of age and, and going to some musical written by Noel Coward or by Rudolf Frimmel. And so I was very much steeped in the uh, semi classical and uh, not so much the pop music, but very much a, a lighter style of music.
0: We're joined by Tony Hatch, songwriter, arranger pianist, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Petula Clark. What would you credit her success to? Originality.
1: Originality there you, again. I mean, that, that word comes of But I mean, there is nobody like Petula. Nobody sings like her. And uh, I always remember when we had finished downtown, and I wasn't I wasn't having much success with her at the time. And even when I took that particular record into the uh, production meeting people were sort of a bit ambivalent towards it they, d- they didn't jump up and down and say this is fantastic this is going to be a huge smash and i remember when uh, joe smith from warner brothers records he he came over to uh, to england and he was the first person to hear it and he said i love that i'm going to tell you. and i remember saying to him don't you think it's very english though don't you think the way Petula, uh, her, the, you know, just the, the the way she sounds her words. Don't you think that's a, a bit sort of polite? And, you know, he, he said it's absolutely perfect. It's what makes it original. <laughs> so that word was banged into me right from the beginning. What do you think of America? I love it. I love the country, and um, I have a great deal of fun there. I have friends all over the place. And whenever I get an opportunity to visit somewhere that I've not been before I will do it I'm very much part of variety, the, the the children's charity I was even international president for for a couple of years in the 90s and um, and so this year they decided to hold the uh, the annual conference uh, it's a three or four day affair they decided to hold it in Atlanta and a lot of people said to me why do you want to go to Atlanta I said well for a start variety there Secondly, I've never been there and I know that it's it's has a, a great place in America's history, of being part of the civil rights movement. And so I really enjoyed it. And we travelled there, spent a couple of days either side of the actual um, conference. And um, California, I love I, I love working there. I produce records with Petula Clark. In fact, um, I was um, um, I've been doing a programme for uh, BBC Radio here, Radio Two about music in television. And uh, the other day, I had the great pleasure of uh, interviewing Mike Post. And uh, I kept saying to him, Mike, you, you, everything you, have, you do has this great American influence, has this great, sorry, New York influence. And I said, you must have spent a long time there. He said, no. He said, he said I, I wrote uh, lots of successful themes for New York-based television series. He, he said, but I live, in, uh, I live in the West Coast and I work there. And so I just thought, well, it's got a great, great imagination and a great composer.
0: A lot of people ask songwriters the question, what is your favorite song? I don't like to ask that question because frequently you get the same answer. <laughs> but Well,
1: I think well, that I would have to, to say downtown will always be, be the favorite because it's so special and uh, it's, it started a career for me. And it started a a new career for Petula, because the one country that she had not conquered, she was huge in Europe, but she was not doing anything in America at the time. And um, it was the best thing for her. But um, I love Don't Don't Sleep in the Subway as well, because um, that is actually two songs. as It is very obvious when you listen to it, you know, there's the there's the the little verse part, ba-da-da-da-da, you wander around on your own, little cloud when you don't see the why or the wherefore. And then there's this very bouncy chorus, don't sleep in the subway, darling, which we put in an entirely different key. And in fact, the, the truth is, I was playing around with two different songs at the same time, and I was running out of time, and I had to go and see Petula Clark in uh, Paris, and I was uh, in Manchester at the time, and I said, oh, pardon my head language. I said, to hell with it. Um, let's put the two together somehow. And uh, that's how Don't Sleep in the Subway was was born. And um, I've always been pretty proud of that, that um, it was out of necessity that song came to life.
0: What did you think of the interpretation Frank Sinatra did of downtown?
1: Um, well, it wasn't good, was it? It was unfortunate because... Um, it was a very strange arrangement, and I can't remember who did it. I don't know whether it was Don Costa or it, was, it may have been Nelson Riddle, but it had this strange sort of um oriental Hong Kong feel about it. And um I think Petula was in the studio, in the control room, at the time when he was recording downtown. As usual, he'd invited people to the studio, So they either sat in the control room or they sat in the studio. And I think she was there. And I think that he just found the whole thing a little bit embarrassing. He really, it was not his kind of song. I actually did, I was going to make an album with Sinatra. As I found that two or three composers, writers, producers, orchestrators, they were all going to do an album. And I was one of those people. And um, I wrote him an absolutely beautiful swinging arrangement of downtown done in his style, uh, like, you know, uh, songs for Swing Lovers, Swing Affair, much more of, um, of a, just a nice, good swing arrangement. We never got around to recording it. But I think for him to try and do downtown the same way as Petula had done downtown was never going to work. And that was the problem.
0: You mentioned a couple of songwriters earlier. You said Burt Bacharach and Hal David. I'm curious to know, who are the songwriters who most influenced you?
1: Um, Certainly, I love the way Burt Bacharach changes key, shifts around. And if you listen to a lot of my songs, you'll find that's happening a lot of the time. I also, I I mean, I thought Henry Mancini was a great melody writer. And you'll, you'll think that I'm talking about all the old guys because Jimmy Webb is another one of my favorite people and favorite writers. But also Paul McCartney, fantastic writer. Love it. I love all the, all the music he's written and uh, especially the, the ballads like Yesterday and The Long and Winding Road. He's an incredible writer, an incredible structure he uses.
0: What do you think of Paul McCartney's song, She Loves You?
1: I'm never sure who, at that period, I'm not sure who who wrote what. That could, well, uh, could be um, a marriage of the two writers. So it's a bit dangerous saying that's a McCartney song, because that might have a a lot of of John Lennon influence in it as well. I'm sure somebody knows or somebody thinks they know, but uh, I just don't know who is exactly responsible for that. Whereas I do know that only Paul McCartney wrote yesterday.
0: Yeah, it's been said that Paul McCartney said that she loves you, isn't it true? I could be wrong here. That it was influenced by Bobby Rydell's song "Forget Him." And there is
1: there's some story about that, but I don't think it's I don't think the song, my song, influences. But I think he really enjoyed "Forget Him," and uh, I
0: think it just sort of inspired him. What did you think of Bobby Rydell's recording of Forget Him?
1: I loved it, but when I listened to it back afterwards, I think, uh, I think I recorded it too fast. But that sort of tempo and that feel was right at the time. But every time I listen to it now, in fact, I occasionally I do little shows myself, and um, often I perform Forget Him, but I do it much slower, and I do it as a very warm ballad, And it seems to work very, very well. Maybe we'll have another go at it. But um, I I can't take it away from Bobby. He did a fantastic job. But it is a very sort of... Don't you think it's a bit bouncy for uh, for the mood? Forget him and please come back to me.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Suppose you're out in public. You could be at a restaurant. You could be at a shopping mall. Anywhere in the world. You're somewhere and you start to hear the unmistakable melody of something you wrote. What goes through your head?
1: Uh, Great pride. Great pride that uh, something I've created and probably worried about a lot when I was first producing it, something like that um, has caught the public's imagination and it's there. It it happens to me a lot, and especially with, with a song like Downtown which seems to be on every piece of library uh, music anywhere in the world.
0: Has there been any song of yours in particular, or maybe not a particular song, but an artist that you thought would be especially ideal for a song, a a Tony Hatch song?
1: I think the, uh, the question could be phrased even easier than that. Who do I wish that I'd been able to write for? Barbara Streisand, definitely. I've always been disappointed that I never... Made a bigger effort to just take a song to her, you know. But every time I looked, she was recording a Broadway album or or something specific to a, a theme, and so I didn't bother. But um, yeah, S- Streisand is one of the incredible voices, and maybe somewhere along the line, uh, she'll do one of my songs. Michael Bublé, I think, is a great great singer, and um, I'd love to write a song for him.
0: I could see Bublé doing a few of your songs. Now, at this point in your career, are you actively trying to pitch songs or do you wait for people to come to you?
1: No, I, I still pitch songs because people still want good songs. But when you realize that most of the, my contemporaries and people who are making albums now are more likely to record a lot of songs that people know. So what, do you, what you do is, if you can r- write one really brilliant song, you might be able to slip it into a, an album of standards. We have a couple of guys here, two really great theatre singers, uh, Michael Ball and, um, and Alfie Bo. And uh, they actually got together and they did an album together. I mean, it's quite strange. Some of the songs that they do on the, on the album is these two guys. But they also sing some solo numbers and they do a lot of numbers together. And um, I've thought to myself, you know, really, I should have tried to, to write something for them. So there are the opportunities. One just has to be um, a bit strict about it and um, forget that um, you've had such a good run and um, it's lovely weather and I should be sitting at the piano with the aircon on instead of sitting in the garden.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit about the work that you've done as a producer. What approach do you take when an artist comes to you and and says, "I want you to produce my album"?
1: I love working with uh, with people. I haven't done a lot of production in the uh, in the last, uh, well, maybe five or ten years. But my approach is, uh, let's do this together. Let's feel good about it together. There can be no um, no one better than uh, you know. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. So let's just work together and. And I do, I do love producing, and um, I do a lot of uh, album stuff even now, mainly for mainly for myself and for a uh, few artists that I'm associated with.
0: Is there anything in the near future with Tony Hatch you'd like to tell us about?
1: Well, if I could be a bit more disciplined than I am, I would love to get the book finished because I've got so many anecdotes, so many people I've worked with, so many good stories about the music industry. I'd love to get that finished. I'm also working on um, a series, again, for television. We'll, we'll start it off. We, we still have a great radio tradition here. You know, we have uh, Radio 1 and Radio 2. And because of the size of our island, uh, the United Kingdom, we, we still have a great, a great radio system. And there aren't many countries in the world that can say that. I know radio is big in America and always will be. But here, we actually produce programs. We have a fantastic orchestra called the BBC Concert Orchestra. And every Friday night, they have Friday night is music night, and it's a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour program with selected themes. I love working with that orchestra. I do orchestrations for them. I conduct them. They featured my music in, in their programs. And once they gave me the whole program uh, to, to, to do what I liked with and that was fantastic. So um, I'm really uh, I, I really enjoy just being a, a, a part of the music industry, and uh, I love working wherever I can.
0: We're joined by songwriter Tony Hatch. In 2013, when you were inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, what did that feel like? Tell us about that experience. That was a tremendous moment for me because there's
1: no doubt about it that the Songwriters Hall of Fame is very much an american institution but they have been very very fair over the years and they've opened it up so they will recognize writers from overseas and obviously british writers probably become more recognized than say swedish writers or a norwegian production group but i was very very proud when um it took me it took me three goes i was I was nominated three times and um, I didn't make it. I think I made it the third time or maybe the fourth. But I was very, very proud when I got the call to say, um, yes, they're going to do it. And we've already called Petula, they said, and she's willing to come and join you. We'd like you to do a medley of your songs and Petula will um, top it off with uh, downtown. And it was a magic Magic evening there in in New York. And the amazing thing was that um, we were at the uh, the Marriott in Times Square. And it was in Times Square that I erroneously thought I was downtown and wrote the first few notes and words of um, that song that's become so famous.
0: Very, very interesting. For some reason, what you just said, maybe just mentioning downtown... (laughs) Made me think of the scene in the Seinfeld television show where George and Jerry go back and forth and they're reciting the lyrics to Downtown.
1: And that's all they do. I mean, that is, <laughs> it, it's incredible, isn't it? They've actually adapted my lyric and they play it. And it's just the way they present it and that, that works so well.
0: There was a broadcast I did where I played little clip, the audio from that little clip on the air before going into the song, Downtown. <laughs> I thought that was that was kind of clever.
1: And you know, Will and Grace did a very similar thing, and I don't know whether they have followed Seinfeld or whether it was... But they did a similar thing. They were coming up in the elevator and doing exactly the same thing. He's saying, you know, when you're alone and life is making you lonely she says, I know, you could always go downtown. and uh, But it did, I must say that it worked so well with, uh, with George.
0: Oh, yeah. Down. Town. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you mentioned earlier about, I clumsily asked you what artist you thought could do a great job of a Tony Hatch song. A lot of songwriters have a song that they're particularly proud of. They think was a, a particularly good song. But it didn't catch on. What would that song be for you? Oh, I've got too many of those. I've got
1: loads of songs that <laughs> I was disappointed that it, either either the song just wasn't right for the for the time, or I put it. I had to put it on an album. But I'm. If you go through the Petula Clark albums, there are dozens of of, of songs that just have a really nice feel about them. But we deliberately. Uh, to make good program material, we put put them into an album. But um, afterwards, I'd listen to, listen and say, well, now why did I why did I do that? I've got um, I've got so many songs that uh, that I one day before I'm before I passed away completely, I will get them out and send them around the world. Actually, you see, you see, you you've, you you're one of those kind of people that spark off ideas. We, we live in an entirely different world to that that when I wrote Downtown in 1964, nowadays I could just I could just open my catalogue up, um, ha- have my own website with um, the whole of the catalogue there for people to come and listen. Come listen to some songs that, uh, you know, you've not heard before. And um, I didn't realise that I could just do that so simply.
0: Absolutely. That makes me wonder, what do you think about the role Internet has had for songwriters today? Well... Uh,
1: There's good and bad, isn't there? I mean, there, there is no doubt about it that um, the creative people are losing, or not making anywhere near as much money as uh, as they might be able to, and not being able to control their copyrights as well as they should be able to. But on the uh, on the other hand, the the freedom that one can can use can create some really great talent, because anybody can feature a song on a website or on a, on on, the, on their own. It just, you know, you just email somebody something and you've got a you can open a whole market.
0: You mentioned it in the, in the email that you spend a good bit of the summer in Spain. Yes,
1: I do. I've always done that, going back to 19, but right back to 1974. And I, I really do love the sunshine. It makes me feel good. And I even lived in Australia. I lived in Sydney, which is a pretty hot place to to live. I I lived there for uh, 14 years. And I worked there, and I created there, and I did a lot of production work and orchestrations and conducting. Yes, I love working with the Australians and very, very talented people.
0: What is the best thing about being Tony Hatch? (laughs) Um...
1: When I, when I get the opportunity to listen to something that I've created and I haven't heard it for a long time, that um, I feel pretty good about that.
0: One of the wonderful things about this age that we're in is the ability to communicate with people so rapidly around the world. For anyone who might listen to this interview, whether they're in Australia, whether they're in the United Kingdom, America, wherever, very open-ended, what would you say to them?
1: If they're listening now, I'd say welcome to the wonderful world of music. Because if you're listening to me, then you're, you're interested in this this art form that uh, so many people have been uh, working on in the, over the last few years. And you think how popular music has changed. When you, when you think about... When I first came into the music business, uh, that was 1955, we still only had uh, shellac and, and vinyl records. The the 45 had not been invented. We were just moving into tape, quarter-inch tape and um, stereo machines, two heads and a left and a right, and that was all... And it developed so fast. I remember that even as I was recording, I was constantly going back to our engineers saying, um, I've heard about... Um, the, the, this four-track machine now, when are we getting one? And then the desk, the recording desk had to be. I think that over the last few years, an amazing, of course, with the invention of digital, everything was going to change. But I think it's been incredible for the music business. And the only sad thing is that um, there are a lot of writers and a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, singers, that are not going to get paid in the future because. There is no way of uh, of beating the the idea that m- music should be free. Everybody thinks that, but, you know, somebody has got to make it in the first place. Somebody has to invest.
0: We've been joined by songwriter, pianist, producer, Mr. Tony Hatch. If you'd like more information, you could visit the website. It's www.tonyhatch.co.uk. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Paul, for
1: inviting me to have this little chat with you. I've really enjoyed it and uh, hope that you and all your listeners have as well. I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that.
0: Good yes. talking to you. Good talking to you. Thank you, Paul. ba da beep ba boop da beep but i leap I knock at the peace. I walk on. I get I